read some scripture to you tonight, and then I'll sign for myself, and then we'll go offline, and uh, we will we will end up uh, taking some question and answers session. Uh, I like I would like to talk on the subject tonight, actually, questions and answers. Um, I I think it's fascinating that if you study Jesus and how he dealt with people, you see that. You see a difference in the two chapters here, John 3 and John 4. We're going to focus on John 3 tonight. Next week we may look at John 4. The older I get, the more I love to ask questions. I, I love to ask questions. Sometimes I think in our churches and, 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 and uh, even as a dad or a husband, we can monologue too much. Um, and that's necessary. Don't misunderstand me. Jesus did stand up and present sermons, and we do that. We do that all the time, so especially Sunday morning, Sunday night. Uh, but when you ask people questions, it demands an answer. When you ask somebody a question, it makes them think. It's very easy for me to get up and preach a 25-minute message. And probably somewhere along the way, we call it dodo brain, travels through the auditorium one by one and hits your brain at that particular time. And dodo brain makes your brain think about something else and you're distracted. But if somebody point blanks asks you a question, like when we were in public school, one of the things I used to love to do was when my classmates fall asleep, I tap them and say, the teacher just asked you a question, and you can see them slobber and stand up and, yes, teacher, you know, in front of the whole class, you know, stuff like that. But when somebody asks you a question, it demands an answer. In John 4, Jesus asked the woman at the well questions differently than he asked Nicodemus. So let's read a few verses here tonight. I think you'll see where I'm going with this. And I'm going to give you two simple comparisons, and then we'll, we'll, we'll shut her down and, and go to questions and answers and some praise time. Look at John 3, verse 1. The Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher, uh, teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Watch this. Nicodemus saith unto him, Here's Nicodemus is asking questions. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. So many times we stop at that verse and we skip over this middle context and go ahead and go to John 3, 16. But I want to go ahead and read down a little further tonight. Look at verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? So he's asking another question. Now Jesus answered questions with questions many times in the Gospels. Many times. Watch what Jesus asks him. Watch what he asks him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? That is a question in and of itself. We only see one question mark there, but there's actually two separate questions here. First of all, are you a master in Israel? He is. The Bible already tells us in verse 1, he's a ruler of the Jews, he's a Pharisee. Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? You don't know what I'm talking about? Look at verse number 11. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we, uh, what, that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. Look at, go, let's go and read verse 12 and then we'll get into the message. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall you believe, he's asking a question, if I tell you of heavenly things? All right. Thank you, buddy. Uh, so tonight, just for a few moments, I want to talk about this subject because in the very next chapter, Jesus asks the woman at the well very different questions. I mean, 
First of all, he doesn't really ask her a question. His first statement is as a command, give me to drink, right? But in their conversation, he does ask her some questions, and she answers the questions, and she asks him some questions, and their dialogue is very different. So as, as I was thinking about what to teach for these next few Wednesday nights, because I want to talk about this question and answer session for a while, because I, I feel like questions challenge us to, to be able to answer, right? I have two kids in college now. They were nervous this week because it's midterm exams, and they texted us, and they were giving us their results today. And, you know, we know college, schooling, what they do is they test you on your information, right? You cram all that information in your mind, and you spit it back out on a piece of paper, and you hope you pass, right? But the fact of the matter is, as Christians today, we better be really in the know when it comes to certain questions. And I have just silently observed what Christians have been saying over the last well, almost two weeks now since Israel was attacked, right? And it does not seem like there is consistent, consistent um, doctrinal solidarity within Christianity over what to do with Israel and the Jews. In other words, many Christians today don't seem to be well-versed on where they should stand on that particular issue. But if you study the Bible and you have, you're a student of the Bible then you should know exactly where the Christian should stand, right? I mean, there's no doubt where we should stand. We understand the role, the significant role of Israel. And, and oftentimes you hear people say that they hate Jews. And, and listen, I'm, I'm going to be just a little bit open about some, some things here. Years ago, we used to have a tape ministry. Then we went to the CD ministry. Now everything's online. Uh, my brother can testify to this. We had some very faithful very faithful uh, customers. I mean, guys that would order tapes. One guy was in Hawaii one time, one guy was in North Carolina, and another man was in Indiana. And they ordered our tapes and CDs every week, and they loved the, the services, and they sent money to support the ministry. And all three of them, one Sunday when I preached a, a message in, encouraging us to stand with Israel, all three of them immediately sent me letters or emails, I don't remember, it's been a while, and said, please stop my subscription, I'm done listening to you preach. That was it. They were done with it. They were done with it. That was it. And it's, it's a fascinating thing, really. That, that one subject was it. They just cut me off. And these men were saved men, but they had a different outlook on that. And so Jesus is asking Nicodemus this question. Wait a minute. Wh are you, why are you confused? You're supposed to know these things. Now, does Jesus really expect Nicodemus to be in the know of his plan and everything? Maybe not. But Jesus is still challenging him by asking him this question. Because Nicodemus was supposed to be somebody that knew everything. I mean, the common man came to Nicodemus for any Old Testament question, and here's Jesus putting him on the spot. But here's the, the goodness of Jesus, right? He's not doing this in front of a crowd. He did this one-on-one -on -one in the middle of the night because that was his request, right? Remember, Jesus meets the woman at the well in broad daylight, right? But, but, the, but Nicodemus wants to meet with him in the middle of the night. It's quiet. It's dark, so to speak. And so Jesus here comes, and they have this conversation, and he asks this question. So... Tonight, I want to give you just two quick thoughts. Number one, I want you to think about this. Okay, number one, there's a time to educate, but sometimes there's a time to implicate. All right, the word implicate is not necessarily always a negative word, but let me give you an example of that, okay? I have a nephew that's three years old right now, and it, it takes me back to when my kids were three. Now, I keep telling myself my kids weren't that bad, but they probably were worse, all right? But I don't know, but I have a nephew that's three years old right now. And he is in this, in, in a very, well, I'm looking at, like, Bed will have little kids, uh, Cassie has little kids, look around the auditorium, and, you know, some of us still have little children at home, uh, the best just had a new baby, um, 
you're in that education process where you're teaching your kids how things are going to be at your house. Uh, we, we're, not, we're not supposed to discipline a child if we hadn't had taught them what the rules are of our house. You know, clean up your bedroom and teach them how to clean it, and then they're obligated, right? There's that education process. In other words, people are many times ignorant, and rightfully so. As a two-year-old or three-year-old boy or girl, I'm going to be a whole lot more forgiving of that person's dependency on me than I will be when my kid's 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 or 16, right? There's, there's a shift, right? Now, they're more independent or they've been more well-versed at life. They've been more, here it is the word I'm using, educated about the things of life. So now they are more self-reliant. Now I can still give them guidance and so on. And so in Christianity today, you'll see that Jesus, he doesn't ask the question like this to the woman at the well. Because the woman at the well does not, is not supposed to know what Nicodemus knows in this particular passage. And so sometimes as a Christian, it's good to challenge ourselves and say, okay, what, what do I believe about certain things, right? You know, independent Baptist, and, and I, we, we're not just going to say independent Baptist, because the Southern Baptists do the same thing. A, a lot of denominations do this. We've become very good about teaching and preaching on the what's of what we believe, but not often do we teach on the why of the what, right? Why do I believe what I believe? Why do we believe this? Why do we believe that, right? Very important. That's a very important part of the growth of the Christian life. And uh, I've even learned as a parent, uh, you know, there were times when my kids were little, they did what I said, and, and this answer was enough to suffice because I said so. When they're two and three and four years old, that's a good answer. When they're 13, 14, and 15, boy, parent, you're missing out on an opportunity to teach your child why you say no or why it's okay. Don't miss out on those opportunities. In fact, you don't even have to wait till that age. It can be five, six, seven, eight years old. But you know what I mean? When two and three years old, sometimes we don't have the luxury of talking to them. And if you try sometimes to philosophically debate with a two-year-old, they'll end up warping your mind. I promise you that. Right? You don't want that, okay? But the point I'm trying to make is this. There is an education process of life. And Jesus was the master of that. And as you see Jesus talking to his disciples, at first, he has a whole lot more education mentality, shifting as time goes in three and a half years to more implication, meaning there's an expectation now, okay? I'm going to implicate you on that because you should know that. Implication means to have an affiliation with, meaning, hey, wait a minute now. Why are you acting ignorant of this subject? You should know about this by now. You should understand why, right? So let me ask you just a few questions tonight. And this is not to, to call anybody out. Just think about this, okay? I'm going to ask you some questions tonight. Where should we stand in Israel? If someone at your job tomorrow said, hey, what do you think about the Israel thing? You go to that one church over there. What does your church believe about that? Why do you believe you should support Israel? Can you biblically show somebody why? It's a good question. All right, how about this one? Um, where do we stand in biblical prophecy in relation to Israel? Biblical prophecy, that's something a Christian should know, right? Now we get to, to the basic stuff, right? Are you able, if someone lost at work tomorrow says, hey, I'm not saved, I really need someone to sit down with me and lead me to Jesus, I'm ready to get saved. Uh, and and can, I, can I just say, I get excited about this sometimes. I think we're going to actually see those questions more and more in these last days. People are starting to get scared, people are starting to get curious. And when they see consistency and they see you standing and shining as a bright light, they're going to start asking you. I mean... It's, it's people sometimes make appointments. They call me. I need to sit down and talk to you. I need to get saved. It's like, praise the Lord. Let's make it happen, right? Those things are starting to happen more and more frequently. Are you ready to do that? You know, answering those questions. And I could go on and on tonight. 
some challenges. This is the Wednesday night crowd, and some of you that are watching online. If you're watching online on a Wednesday night, you're on purpose watching online. I appreciate you watching and encourage all of us to make sure that we are consistently educating our minds. And, and I use the word education because it rhymes with implication. But the fact is, we know that the Bible says ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the Bible says in the Old Testament that my people are destroyed in Hosea for a lack of what? Knowledge. America, right now, in October 2023, is the most ignorant it's ever been in the history of mankind about the Bible. I'm, I'm, I shouldn't say the history of mankind, in the history of our nation. I mean, our nation was founded upon people that knew their Bibles. They just knew their Bibles. And it just went on. And, and we should be surprised now, right? Because as a nation in the 1960s, we told God to leave us alone. We kicked them out of the public schools. And the kids have grown up, these generations have grown up now without Bibles in the school system. And hence, we see a very ignorant nation. The word ignorant isn't always negative. It means not knowing. So like, like I said Sunday, and I said it in Revival when I preached Monday night up in Huntsville, Missouri, this is the easiest time in history to convince an atheist that the Bible is real. It really is. If you meet a reasonable atheist and just sit down and ask him a few questions, it's easy to convince somebody that the Bible is real if you have a foundational knowledge, all right? So number one, the balance of the education process and the implication. Jesus is educating the woman of the well in this particular passage. He kind of implicates Nicodemus. He's like, hey, man, come on. You're a rule of the Jews. You don't know anything about this? I mean, he kind of had a right to because he does say Nicodemus is the one that says he calls him rabbi and says, we know that there, you, you are the teacher come from God. He's hinting at calling him the Messiah, but he's afraid to. Because if he calls Jesus the Messiah, whoo, that really puts him in trouble and hot water with his group, his crew. And we know as time goes, he's going to come to the other side. And at the end, there's no doubt Nicodemus becomes a Christian and a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you can find that out later in the Bible. All right, so the second thing is this, okay? The second thing is this. Why is it important to continue to educate us on this? Because number one, number one, there's education versus implication. Number two, all right, there is the introducing, which leads to reproducing. There's the introducing, and which leads to reproducing. Right, we're adults in here. When my wife and I got married, we were introduced to each other, and we were able to reproduce within our marriage, right? Biblically speaking, God wants his children to have an introduction to knowledge. He wants us to know things so that we can reproduce the truth in our lives. And if we as Christians are as Nicodemus here, and we are ignorant of basic doctrines, basic whys of our what's, then it's going to be hard to reproduce ourselves in other people. We know when it's all said and done, the Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit saves, Jesus Christ is the Savior. We know that, we understand all that. But for some reason, God chose to use you and me to be the introducer of Jesus Christ to this lost world. And in those introduction processes, we then get to see the power of reproduction. Because Christianity has to consistently be reproduced or we're going to be in trouble, right? They talk about progeny as a problem in America right now. You do know that I think it's in the next 10, 15 years, the white man's going to be the minority in America. That's, it's funny because uh, the, the, the Latino people are moving in, and the big, different, the big reason is they're having six, seven, eight kids, and American white people are having one, two kids, and that's it, right? So progeny, 
that's, that's a whole, progeny is a subject that we could be discuss. Uh, Islam has a philosophy to, to bring their people here, and they're having seven, eight, nine kids. Uh, we showed you a video on that years ago, some of you might remember that. But, but spiritually speaking, we have a responsibility for spiritual progeny. That is to reproduce ourselves in somebody else. Discipleship, mentorship, teaching. And it's very hard and very difficult for me to reproduce myself in somebody else if I don't even know the answers to the basic questions. So tonight, the challenge is for all of us to really do some introspective searching. And, and you know, just look at John chapter 3 and look at John chapter 4. Study those three chapters over the next week when you have some time. And look and see how Jesus converses with Nicodemus versus how he converses with the woman at the well. And by the way, don't forget this, right? John 3.16 is not said to a massive crowd of people. It is actually told to this Nicodemus man who Jesus technically implicates a little bit, right? So that's a challenge for us tonight. As we move on, as we grow in grace as Christians, we better be ready to answer the questions. Because I think the questions, they're coming. I like the sign for questions. It's, it's a directional sign. I can, this is the sign for question, but if somebody asks me a question, it's coming at me. Hey, church, it's coming at you. <laughs> They're coming at, the questions are coming at you. We need to be ready to answer those questions. Answer, coming right here. Being able to say, okay, hey, hey, let me, let me talk to you about this. Let me teach you some things. Let me introduce you so that I can reproduce in the Christian faith. That makes sense? All right, good discussion. Hedge about eyes are closed tonight.